guys. We're back in the woodshed where we tell the truth even when it hurts. I'm your host, Brother Jonathan, and tonight I've got with me Brother Todd, the world's foremost left-handed theologian. Say hello to everybody, Todd. Hello, all you right-handed people. <laughs> all right, so tonight what we want to go through is we want to go through the book of Numbers, chapter 22. We want to talk about the, the talking donkey scripture, the Shrek scripture, and we're going to talk about Balaam and Balak and the false prophets. And uh, so stick around and we'll get started. All right, friends. So here we are. We're going to talk about Balaam and Balaam's donkey. This is a very popular piece of scripture, something that's pretty well known. So let's kind of set the stage and then we'll get started with our discussion now because we have a lot of cool things to talk about. So we uh, we come to this piece of scripture where uh, the, the Hebrews have left Egypt. They're now wandering into the desert and they come to this place on the edge of the Moabite land. And as they begin to go into the Moabite land, the the uh, Moabite king sees this massive amount of people. Now, depending on how you read uh, the passage and you know the numbers of the people coming out of Egypt, it's either in the hundreds of thousands or possibly up to about two million that are just marching. They're just marching through the land. And so the Moabite king sees this massive migration of people, and he thinks, man, if they come through my land, they'll pick it dry. I mean, there's not going to be a blade of grass left after they stomp it down, after they eat on their way, after they pick all the, the berry bushes and all the fruit trees and, and all this. There's, there's going to be nothing left after these people come through. And so his first thought is, uh, I need to go to the prophet and I need to get the prophet to curse them. So we see right away that here that was part of their religion was this idea of blessings and of cursings. And so that we see that right from the beginning that their first inclination is we need to go to the prophet and we need a curse upon these people. So brother Todd, what what do you understand of, of this cursing? That's something that we don't really talk about a lot in today's world. We talk about people being cursed or places being cursed or objects carrying a cursed with it. But what really is the biblical understanding of curses? Well, I mean, we when we look at curses through Scripture, we see God doing the cursing or God doing the blessing. We see Noah cursing Canaan, but what does that really mean? So we'll see later, we'll see Balaam, and he talks about how, how can he do anything that God says you can or can't do. So the idea of, of someone just saying, well, I curse you. I mean, what, what does that even mean mm-hmm. other than you're just saying something at somebody? Well, I'll put a curse on you. Well, how do you put a curse on you? Do you have some kind of magical power in your voice? Well, no, there has to be some kind of power behind it. So so there's it's more than just speaking words. It's, you know, it's when God says you'll be a curse, God makes them a curse. He yeah. has the power. So, it, so it's not just a idea of saying words. So the the words themselves aren't cur- curses. So there's no curse words. There, there's no magic words that carry special ability with it. But rather, what you're saying is, is that the curses 
would um be like a a a wishing evil upon a person or possibly even and what we see here is that it definitely carried on a spiritual aspect because when Balaam goes to a curse God speaks through him instead of him speaking a curse he ends up speaking a blessing upon these people so there definitely is a spiritual element to curses so it's not necessarily that uh You've got, you know, Joe Wizard over there or, or, you know, some warlock and that he's chants these magic words and that his ability to conjure up this magic then puts a curse or a hex upon these people. But rather what it does is something in the supernatural realm that would be, say, demonic. Yeah, it, something, something evil uh, with the ability to do something. Now, is there magic in words? What is what is magic? Well, I've heard all the time people say, say the magic word. Yeah, well, it's not Sesame Street, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but we see it, that we see that that Balaam had a uh, his name means like not of the people, mm-hmm. you know. So he was like something, and he was something, and he knew who the true God was. Mm-hmm. So. This guy is uh, is known for making things happen. Yeah, I mean, because that that's just for. I mean, that's the thing with being one of these prophets. It's like uh, you kind of only got one shot at it. You know, like you can't be like, "Oh, I'm a prophet," and be like, "Well, what have you done?" Be like, "Well, nothing." You know, like you, at some point, you got to hit a home run so that people think you can hit a home run. So if if people are willing to pay you to do curses, if the king's first first idea of how are we going to fight these millions of people marching through my land is let me go to let me go to Balaam and let me get him to curse them then apparently he's he's done this before you know like he you know Balaam is known to be one who gives effective curses if that's his first you know his first uh, idea is let's go get Balaam to curse these guys apparently it's happened before and apparently it's worked in the past yeah apparently something has happened so so Balaam knows who the true God is, and Balaam at the same time, I mean, Balaam sounds a whole lot like TV preachers. Oh yeah, he sounds a whole lot like, oh well, you know, you know, you know, do the TV preachers that beg for money all the time? I mean, they know who God is, right? Yeah, and they they can you see stuff happen around them mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, and it's like, well, you know, you're you know who God is. That doesn't mean that you're godly. Right. That's right. That's right. So you're you're just, you know, don't know if you sit at the house and play with Ouija boards or or if you're being paid by a giant corporation to lead people astray. You know, what are you and what do you do? Well, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a TV preacher. So yeah. so Balaam is uh, he's a guy and he knows things and he makes things happen. Mm-hmm. But he's a he's a bit of a troublemaker he is you know he's he's they turn right to him you know speaking of ouija boards you know i saw uh one time the a picture i think it was on facebook probably where um it had this rug and the rug was a ouija board you know like they had woven this rug into the pattern to where it looked like a ouija board and all i could think was man if they got a roomba they're really playing with fire yeah, really. I think yeah, he's conjuring seriously. up all kinds of spells while they're at work. Well, it's AI, right? It's the demonic. It's the demonic, uh, you know, vacuum cleaner. 
<laughs> demonic fact, orange doesn't do anything. It just it just constantly screams at us. It beeps. And it's like, hey, the floor's too dirty, man. I need a break. <laughs> my battery's dead yeah. already. My, my battery's dead. My tank's full. I, I got I'm got hair and, and thread all wrapped up around my stuff. Come on, man. Help me out. Help me out. <laughs> that's, that's, all our, that's all that our Roomba ever does. And so the uh, is just scream for help. And so I'm lost. I don't know how to get back to my home. Somebody come help me. <laughs> that's it. You got, a, you got a big house. So yeah, yeah. That's a lot do. of floor. Yeah, we have to tell the, you know, we tell the little ones, be like, hey, it's time to go find the robot. You know, they have to go find it and put it back on the charger. But uh, so that thing doesn't work at all. You know, we, we should have got one that was made in Mexico because this Japanese made doesn't work at all. And so doesn't know how to do anything. So the um, so, yeah, so they turn to Balak. And they go to him, and they say, uh, I need a curse. And his reaction is, is, is here, he's already talked to the Lord. And it, well, it says God there. So God is Elohim in this, in this scripture, which we know means the heavenly host. Okay, so it could be the Lord Supreme. It could be one of the, the sons of God. We're not exactly sure what Elohim, because it's not specific, like the Lord your God and things like that. You know the most high God, these sorts of things that identify the Father, but rather what we see is just this general identifier of Elohim, which could mean anything otherworldly, anything above this creation, anything in the spirit realm could qualify as an Elohim. But this Elohim identifies that uh, hey, these people that they're trying to pay you to curse, they're blessed, and you're not going to be able to override their blessing with your curses. In other words, they're blessed by the Most High God. So it's not like you have a, a, a fallen angel who will be able to do anything to them that the Most High God doesn't desire to be done, that his authority supersedes. He's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Most High God. And so your efforts are going to be in vain. There's nothing that you're going to be able to do contrary to them. In other words, he's saying, Bubba, you don't want to go to war against God, against the God. And so before you played around with this spirit, that spirit, that demon, that fallen angel, you know, you've been, you, you've dabbled in the spirit world, but you're fixing to deal with the boss. Right. You know, like you're getting to the end, to the big boss. You know, like on Mario, you, you conquer these little guys and all, and then you finally get up there to Bowser. And, all, you know, Bowser is a snail in the eyes of God. It's nothing, you know. So he's like, hey, this is a big bad one. You don't want to mess with that. And so as these messengers keep coming, you know, uh, the the king of Moab keeps sending his sons to go to to get Balak so that they can do this. You know, Balaam. get Balaam. Yeah. Get Balaam Balaam's so that they can do Balaam. that. Yeah. yeah. And um and he keep coming to them. They come one time, two times, three times. And he tells them, he says, Listen, even if you offered me a house made out of gold and silver, I still couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And finally the Lord shows up to him one night, or the Elohim speaks to him one night and says, uh, in the morning, if they come to you, go with them. Okay, well, he's been told not to. Now he's told, okay, you can go with them if they come again in the morning. But what do you know? They show back up. I mean, another time, hey, come on, we're raising the pay, we're raising the stakes, we're begging. You don't want to make the king happy. <clears throat> you don't want to make the king angry. You know, he, he's hired you to do this many, many times in the past. 
uh, you don't want to break off this this business relationship here. So uh, get on your donkey and let's go. Well, it says that he saddles up his donkey and that he goes with the princes of, of Balak. And as he's going, like, they get to this certain pass, and the donkey's like, mm-mm, no, not doing it. I ain't going there, man. I ain't going to go there. And so he starts, you know, cursing it, and he starts, you know, slapping it, and he starts, you know, everything beats it with a stick. And then finally, it says that God opens the mouth of the donkey so that it could speak. So let, let's stop there. Can animals speak? Have you ever heard an animal talk? A bird. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, a parrot repeating stuff and stuff. Well, there's one bird. I don't know if it's a type of parrot or not, but there's some kind of bird that can, like, literally mimic almost anything. That's interesting. So it's like God's button, you know. I want this kind of sound. He hits the button. The bird kicks it out, you know. Yeah, yeah. So there's some kind of bird that, like, can it can mimic a chainsaw. Really? Yeah. I haven't heard of this. Yeah. Are you sure? I'm sure. Are these, are these in your unrepentant days that you learned of this? Was there, (laughs) was there some kind of aid that you were using? No, I think it was, maybe it was on nature or something like that. You know, when I was on the nature channel, Yeah, it was either that or like Luke or somebody told told me about it because I don't believe anything Luke says. Yeah. Hey, the kid's awful. But the, you know, so if he told you, he probably just, he probably made it up. Yeah, he probably heard it from like Judah. Judah, <laughs> Judah would make it up definitely. <laughs> and so there's a lot of times that the kids come to us with their schoolwork and they'll tell me something, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, and like I immediately Google it to to double check and you know smart boogers, you know, yeah. you know walking around with a proud of their homeschool education, knowing stuff and. It's unfair. I know. Luke just like you, 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 there's just all kinds of information that boy knows. Yeah. That's how Judah is. All kinds of stuff. And and what's surprising is a lot of times, like, I'll think, I think, I think he's, I think he's blowing smoke at me. Like, I think he just made that up and like Google it. And what do you know? Dang sure right. He's got it. You know, so it's amazing, man. And, you know, kids just, you know, whenever, whenever it's, they're in that educational environment, they can just, just prosper. But, but with this, Todd, we have a talking donkey here. We have a Shrek scripture. You know, like, this sounds outrageous. But there again, I mean, God can make animals talk, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I've heard one theory um, one time, a long time ago, that uh, uh, a pastor said that he believed that in the garden all the animals spoke. And that's the reason why the flying serpent, you know, we call a snake, you know, in, in you know pop Christianity— but it literally is just a flying serpent. Um, the flying serpent speaks to Eve, and instead of her like running and hiding or slapping that thing, like she starts having a conversation. And he said, "Oh yeah, you know, before the fall, probably all the animals spoke." Do you, Do you think that's a possibility? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't put a ton of thought into that. I mean, it's possible, but. Um... I, I, I don't know. I guess we'll maybe we'll find out later. Yeah, maybe in heaven you can have like a conversation with a hippopotamus or something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know if I'd want to have a conversation with a hippopotamus. <laughs> they could be really fascinating creatures. Who knows? I mean, yeah. you could have some fun stuff to tell you. Yeah, no tellings. But it's funny that, that Balaam isn't too surprised. Yeah, you know, like it doesn't catch him off guard. You know, like it... you. 
if I go home and our, our dog Charlie, you know, like if, if Charlie starts talking to me, the first thing I'm thinking, no matter how mad I am, is, whoa, wait a second, this dog's talk, talking, you know, like we got to deal with that first. Yeah. But here, Balaam, like the donkey starts talking to him. He's like, yo, ain't I been a good donkey? Like, why are you hitting me, dude? Don't you know? And like Balaam's response is, if I had a sword, I'd cut your head off, you know, which, yeah, you know, I would too, you know, talking donkey, kill it, kill it with fire. Might, you know. Yeah. There might have something in it. Might be possessed of something if it starts talking. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What's next? You yeah. Know, I don't want to have to fight a donkey, especially not in front of these princes over here. Yeah, you know, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to go fisticuffs with a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You would go fisticuffs with. I a donkey. would. That'd be that'd be step one. I'd slap that thing. <laughs> and so, but here he's having a conversation with a donkey. And the donkey's like, don't you see that angel that's like right there with the sword drawn? It's ready to kill you, Bubba. And he's like, oh, I didn't. And then his eyes get open. So we got the donkey with open mouth. We get the, the false prophet with the open eyes. He sees the angel. And then the angel speaks to him. Okay. And the angel says, you're going to go. I could have killed you. You're going to go. But when you go and you see before the king and whenever you begin to prophesy, you're only going to prophesy exactly what God said. You're not going to make it up. You're not going to conjure false spirits. You're not going to utter curses. You're just going to say whatever the Most High God has to say about these people. And in that situation, believe it or not, like Balaam doesn't argue at all with that angel with the sword drawn, ready well, to kill him. Well, I mean, would you? Would you like go be like, yeah, I know that you're like, like glowy and stuff or whatever you happen to look like. Um, and you have a sword that's probably the coolest sword I've ever seen in my life. Um, but you know, let's let's go. You know, let's, you know. Uh, according to my wife, arguing is my love language, and so you know that that's she says. You know, you'll just argue about anything. You know, and I'm like, well, yeah. You know, that's that's, that's how you talk, right? I remember when we first got married, uh, we would go to like family Christmas and stuff, and like my family would just be talking. We'd be having a good time and just talking back and forth. And, and we'd leave, and my wife would go, why are y'all so mad at each other? <laughs> I'd go, we're not mad. What are you talking about? She's like, the whole time, y'all were just fussing and arguing. And I was like, we were talking. We were discussing things. <laughs> you know, like, it was ideas back and forth, you know, and, and you know, uh, argument and refutation. You know, like, we're good. That's just how we were raised. That's how we spoke to one another. And so now, you know, uh, you know talking's kind of my, my thing. It's kind of what I get paid to do. You were raised to 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 yammer yeah the gift of gab i was i was it was developed at a very early age and so i've perfected it (laughs) (laughs) and so there he says all right all right i'll do it i'll do it i ain't gonna fuss with you mr angel i ain't gonna fight with you mr angel just put your sword away i'll do whatever you say and so he goes in before the king and he tells the king all right this is what i need i need seven altars and upon those seven altars, I need seven sacrifices. But that just sounds like a big barbecue. She's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to grill up a bunch of meat, and then I'm going to look over at them people, and I'm just going to cuss them. I'm just going <laughs> to curse them out. And he says, so that's what we need, one big old barbecue, and I'm just going to curse them. You know? and, so, <clears throat> and so they do that. They build the seven altars. They go up upon the, uh, upon the mountaintop, and they make these seven sacrifices. And as he stands up 
to prophesy a curse upon God's people, man, like he just starts saying how great they are. You know, I mean, like you, you imagine this, like, you know, this, this fight's about to go down. You got these two dudes who are real angry at each other and all, and, and they're, you know, one's hurling insults at the other and the other guy's like, you're a very pretty man. <laughs> you are smart and you are kind. <laughs> and the guy's like, I'm going to whip your tail. So I bet you will. I bet you are going to do it. You're, you know, like, yeah, you know, you are a fantastic human. You know, I bet your mom is proud of you. You know, like, yeah, you know, like that, that's the portrait I have in my head of what's happening here is, you know, he's being paid to like curse these people and he gets up there and all he can say is good things. All he can say is true things. And so he's like, man, God's going to bless this people. They're going to prosper. Uh, they're going to just multiply like stars in the sky and sand on the beach. They're just going to be blessed going in and blessed going out. And that's all he can say about them. And can you imagine the king of Moab at that moment? Angry. He's like, I, I'm not getting what I paid for. This, yeah. this is, I, I hope I saved the receipt because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I said, I said, curse them, man. I didn't say bless them. What are you doing? You know, like this is not what I ordered, you know, like that. This is not what I ordered whatsoever. We need to back up and get this going again. You know, so they, they, he says, all right, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing, man? This is a mess. No, absolutely not. I said, curse them. I said, curse them. And he goes, oh, well, I was just, I was just saying what, what the Elohim said for me to say. And they said, well, we'll try it again. And he goes, all right. So they go to another mountaintop. They have another barbecue. And he stands up after the barbecue's done, and he goes, you guys are so good. You guys are so special. God just loves you. God's got a land prepared for you. You're going to be so awesome. And 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 Balak, Balak's like, whoa, what? You're doing it again, man. You're doing you're doing the same thing again. That's no, don't do that. And he goes, oh, okay, all right. Well, he needs another barbecue. <laughs> yeah. So, they, yeah. so now they have a third barbecue, and they're sitting there. And, and after the barbecue's done, he gets up to do it, and he's doing it again. Yeah, I think what happened was um, was Balaam had three daughters. And they were all about to get married. And he said, you know what? I can convince this Moab king to just pay for the whole wedding. <laughs> just stretch it out. You know? <laughs> stretch it out. It's, it's like yeah. a doctor with well visits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, just, just you know, I know everything's fine. What I want you to do is bring your healthy kid in here with all these sick kids so that I can say, good job. They're healthy. Yeah, really. Yes. Yeah. We don't do that with anything else. You know, like we don't go to the dentist when we're, when our teeth aren't hurting. We don't take our car to the mechanic because it's running too good. You know, like we we don't do any of that kind of stuff. You know, we don't go to marriage counseling because we're getting along too well. (laughs) I've never had anybody come in and be like, brother Jonathan, she's just too fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> she does everything. He's just dreamy. Can you mess him up some for me? <laughs> Can you give him something that's wrong? You know, like I've never had that. You know, we always wait till there's a problem and then we go for the solution. But uh, I just, I love Dr. Well visits. Whoever came up with that, kudos. Oh, absolutely. Kudos. Well, the whole system's set up for money, you know. That's so it. That's you'll it. You'll get a good doctor in there every once in a while. Yeah. But they 
you know, they were trained by the pharmacies, I by the pharmaceutical them, companies. So. I just always call them drug dealers. Drug like, dealers. Lindsay, you going to go see your drug dealer today? <laughs> <laughs> so shut up. It's just a doctor appointment. It's a doctor. But well, the, ba- Balaam is, uh, I mean, he's just, and he's told him, he told, he's told Balak, I, I can't say what God won't let me say. Mm-hmm. So, and Balak is like, try again. Mm-hmm. And Balaam's like, oh, okay. And yeah. if you want to cook for me again, that's great. I got another daughter that needs to be married. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, I think he's just in it for the barbecue now. Yeah, I, need I think seven, he's just hungry. I need seven altars because yeah. there's going to be one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> Can you find me a skinny prophet? Because this old fat boy, I think, is just doing it for the pork. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. He's just doing it for the free meal, you know. And so there again he goes. And so, man, the king is outraged at him. And uh, and so finally, Balak, or Balaam turns to the king of Moab. And he tells him, he goes, hey, listen, I can't say anything other than what God has said. I can't transgress it. I can't triple stamp his double stamp. You know, like I can't. Uh, I can't supersede the blessing of the Most High God with any of the demons that are in my repertoire, with any of the demons that I've made contact with. I can't conjure up any evil spirits that can do anything in the face of the Most High God. Um, But I got a plan. But I got an idea. And he says, uh, if you can get some of them old, old skanky Moabite women, and if you can dress them up real pretty and lead them down there, and if you can get the men to leave their wives and chase after them Moabite women, then if you can break up that family, then what you'll do is instead of trying to separate God from his people, you'll separate the people from their God. They'll turn their backs on him. They'll walk away. They'll invite curses upon themselves because I'm not going to be able to do it. Yep. Yeah, and, the, and back to the, the curses I mean, we think about like voodoo and things like that, and we think about all the evil, satanic stuff that goes on, and and the curses, and and the different things that they do, and all these rituals, and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, they wouldn't be doing it if there wasn't something to it. Well, that's it. You know, throughout Scripture, when it talks about not going to uh, mediums and spiritists and witches and all this kind of stuff. God never says that it's not real. It, you know, he's not like, don't do it because it's a scam. You know, he's saying, don't do it because it is real. You know, it, it, not because it's fake, but because it is real. So we avoid that kind of stuff, not simply because it's silly or any of that, but because it, it's legitimate. It, it's real. It could be. I mean, there's, you know, I'm sure there's some, you know, Miss Cleos out there that are just putting on a show and, you know, and, and stuff. And, and, uh, but there's a, you know, there's a real side to it too. I got a funny story, Todd. I got a really funny story. All right. So years ago when I was in a uh, real estate business, all right, we, my dad, whose name was John, um, he, we had a 1-800 number. Okay. That people from all over the country would call that 1-800 number when they were looking to move into our, our area, you know, they'd look us up and they'd call that 1-800 number. Well, at the same time, there was this dude who was getting popular especially like daytime TV kind of guy. And he would talk to dead people, you know, so like the, he'd get this room full of people and he'd be like, 
ah, you know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting the color blue. Who, who knew somebody who liked blue, you know, <laughs> and stuff, you know, and he'd be like, I have a number. It's 47. You know, who does that mean anything? Who's that mean? You know, I mean, so you get enough people in a room, anything's going to mean something, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, but then after it kind of, you know, got hokey, you know, and, and they were like, uh, you know, we really need to make it where like people can call in. And so the show would have a 1-800 number. And the 1-800 number for the show was really like the 1-800 oh, no. number for our <laughs> real estate office. And so we would get phone calls once in a while during while this show was on the air. And my dad would answer the phone. You know, and he'd, you know, he'd say the name of the company and all that. And he'd be like, this is John. You know, And they'd go, John? Because the spirit guy's name was John, too. Oh, and okay. so they'd be like, John? Is this, this is John? And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, this is John. How can I help you? And they'd be like. I didn't think I'd get to talk to you. <laughs> and so once in a while, dad would get one of these, one of these weirdos calling them up, trying to, you know, read his horoscope or speak to, you know, their loved one that's went on, you know, kind of thing. And, and, uh, you know, but that was always kind of funny, you know, whenever it would happen, we'd just giggle and giggle about it. And all Y'all but, never like just played the part. Nah, you know, dad wasn't really one of those guys, you know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a play along, see where it went kind of guy, you know, oh, his, that would have been hilarious. Yeah. He was career military, man. It was when it's business time, it's business time. We don't laugh during business time, you know, and, uh, you know, afterwards we'll talk about what we should have done, but in the, you know, in the moment, nah, we're, we're all business, you know, so. But, uh, yeah, and, and uh, I remember one time he was talking to a lady um, that her husband had passed. And, uh, and when her husband had passed, he was a real notorious alcoholic, you know, just known drinking, cussing, smoking kind of guy. And, um, and after he passed, she went to one of these casino-type things. You know, there's a lot of evil circulates those casinos. Right. And um, she went to one of the casinos, and in there they had one of those talk-to-the-dead kind of people and a spiritist or whatever. And so she goes in, and she sits down, and, and the lady, she uh, you know is asking her questions and all this kind of stuff and finally comes to a place, and you know she's saying, oh, I see this, I see that, and all. And, and she said, ah, there's something here that uh, it doesn't make sense to me. But he's saying, um, after the after the, you can't have a fourth without a fifth. And so what does that mean? You know, and the woman, she said, Oh my God, that's what my drunkard husband always said was you can't have the fourth of July without a fifth of whiskey. You know, you can't have the fourth without a fifth. And, uh, said, Oh God, it's him. It's him. It's him. You know? So she, she comes back and she's telling dad this story and, and she's saying, Oh, you know, well, this is proof that it was, it was him. It was really him. And I remember dad saying, he, he told her, he said, uh, um, you don't think every demon in hell heard him say that? You don't think that that's something that they've heard and they could just repeat, you know, a phrase, you know? Like, there's a host that watch everything that we do. They hear everything that we say. There's demons who have been around for the 6,000 years of mankind history. They've been here since the beginning of, of creation, and you don't think that they've heard that, they've seen that, they know that, you know, like there's not familiar spirits that, that are familiar with you. And all and he was like, you know, you don't know if that was actually him. If that was just a demon pretending to be him. And so that's the thing with all of this is that our God wants us when it comes to that spirit realm. He wants 
him to be the source of that spirit realm for his people. That not that we go and play the harlot with these other these other entities that are lesser entities than him, but rather we can go to the most high God. Just go to him. Don't play around with all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it w- I mean, wouldn't it be better to go to the source of creation than to just go in and say, hey, you know, let me just get somebody who's familiar with the creation. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, I'd, I'd much rather go to the guy that built the engine than the guy that just works on the engine. Or the guy that just drew a picture of the engine. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. so, you know, it's it's the it's like the the Karen moment. You know, the you know, I want to speak to the manager, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, if you can speak to the CEO, why would you want to talk to the clerk? You know, right. if you've got a problem. You know, and so really, that's you know, it's really silly. You know, what we what people play around with and what they dabble with, and even what we've just become accustomed to in secular culture that is truly demonic in its nature. I mean, you know, from, you know, I, I told you a story about watching a movie and, um, and they, one of the characters was named, um, a demon name, you know, one of the chief demons, you know, that that's listed in the book of Enoch. And, um, and I, and I caught the name as soon as it was said. And I said, Oh my gosh, you know, like there's no way that that was happenstance. You don't just make up that name, right? They knew what they were doing. They purposefully named that character that, so that you would say that word, so that it'd be in your house and you'd utter it. Um, it's the same with uh, um, uh, like the Little Mermaid with Ariel. Well, that word Ariel has a beginning. You know, it has a genesis. It has a meaning, and it's El, which is God, and it's off of Ares. So it's Ares is God. Is the name Ariel? Well. Do you think they just picked that out of the air? Do you think they just came up with that off the top of their head? So that's a really pretty name for a fish, half man, half, <laughs> half fish. Half man, half fish. Yeah, yeah, for a merman, for a mermaid. Absolutely. Let's you just, know. Yeah, just let's just make up that name. Yeah, you know, sure. so I'm sure they just completely made it up. They didn't. They didn't have any historical or cultural significance, you know. But we see that, and, you know, we see that with the Philistines. They worshipped, you know, they worshipped mermaids, you know, with Dagon. And, uh, and everything. And so, you know, we treat things that are truly have an essence. They have a root. There's, there's some, there's some ancient truth that everything is based off of, but we want to act like it's just story time. You know, it's, it doesn't mean anything. It's not trying to teach us anything. It's not trying to tell us anything, but there's a lot of power in names. There's a lot of power in words. And so with that, that's, we should be very cautious about what we say, what we read, what we engage in what we glorify that we should be very protective over those things yeah we shouldn't name our kids a name that means something evil you Uh, know dude there was one time uh, as a camp counselor i had a kid named damien which it means demon yeah and he was he was and so you know like maybe maybe we look at the root of the name there's a reason why people used to name their children after important people they were hoping they would become important people yeah you know you got george washington then you got george washington carver you know you 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 have these where they used to be named after historic people Um, across the united states um the the name lorenzo is, is here well lorenzo wasn't a popular name in the united states it was very obscure until there was a old uh well i almost said methodist preacher but the methodists didn't want them 
um, his name was Lorenzo Dow. And Lorenzo Dow uh, traveled the country as like a, a traveling carnival gospel show. And after that, people started naming their kid Lorenzo. A carnival show? So it was... Uh... It was that revival kind of preaching. You know, he, he put on a show, man. He would... You know, he would, uh, you know, jump up and down and run the pews and, you know, all that kind of stuff, stand on top of the pulpit while he preached. and So it was like a kid pitching a fit. Yeah, yeah, he was he was crazy. But, but yeah, you know, so, but people would like, he was, he was famous. He was one of the most famous people in the Americas during his lifetime because of his antics. And so people would literally, like, wait to get married until Lorenzo was in town so that they could say they got (laughs) married by Lorenzo. And like people would name their children Lorenzo after him. And so like after his life, the, the name Lorenzo spread like wildfire in the Americas where before it was a very obscure, odd name, you know, and and then after him, it was very popular. Hmm. So if you run into somebody named Lorenzo, they were probably at some point named after, you know, in their family, yeah. It, it, at some point, somebody was named after Lorenzo Dow. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm full of interesting stuff. <laughs> You're, yes, full of interesting yeah. stuff. My middle name is interesting. Really? So, I thought yeah. it was something else. Yeah, nope, that's it. I'm sticking <laughs> to it. And so, uh, you know, so that's the thing, man. It's like there's there's these power in these names, you know. So what you name your kid actually does matter. You know, it's not just that sounds cool or that's trendy or any of this kind of stuff, but there's power in a name. And so, you know, that we should be very cautious of that, you know, of what we name our kids. You know, nobody wants to name their kid Adolf anymore. You know why? Uh, I'm guessing something to do with Germany. Yeah, yeah, that would be the guy, you know. And so, or, or like, you know, you're not going to name your kid Dahmer. Right. Yeah, for right. the same reason. You know, you're like, uh, you know, it's a wicked dude. I don't even want to take the chance. I don't want my kid to be associated with that or have to carry that. Yeah, Could you really. imagine being named like, you know, Gacy Hitler? <laughs> and you're like, ah, it's probably not going to be a good kid. You know? Yeah, no, no. Or at the very least, if it is a good kid, he's still going to have to deal with that crap, you know. And so, uh, no, we choose good names for our children, you know. That's why I'm always kind of cautious. Like, you'll see people, they'll be like, oh, I named my kids all Bible names. This is my daughter, Delilah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know if that's the one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you really. Maybe you should have read the Bible and not just the book of Bible names. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So there, there's there's good ones. There's bad ones. We there's have. one here. His name's Lucifer. <laughs> it was in the Bible. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just a, you know, it was a, we, uh, we call him Lou. <laughs> you would call him Lou. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, man, but yeah, you know, I mean, that's the thing. I think so often we invite curses in, uh, through things that we participate in, you know, just the same as, as here Balaam tells them, Hey, get them skanky Moabite women, dress them up, put the lipstick on and the, the hair braids and all that kind of stuff. Bring them in, see if we can split these families up, get the men to leave the wife of their youth, have the children grow up fatherless and all this and, and let them go chase carnal pleasure instead of godly responsibility and um a man after their own flesh versus a man after god's own heart and um and that's the way that a nation gets cursed and we still see that today i mean we see divorce i think divorce is the golden calf of the american church today 
Like we're afraid to talk about it. We're afraid to preach against it because everybody's divorced. Oh man, it is. Every you know, you go to any church, and and divorce is almost like homosexuality in the way that it's approached. You know, you ever heard a pastor preach on on homosexuality, and before he gets to preaching, he has to apologize for fifteen minutes. It's like now I got to preach this, but uh, I've got I know a lot of good people who are homosexual, and I have a lot of friends, and they're you know. And like he, he spends five or ten minutes apologizing before he ever just says what God said. I don't think I ever have to apologize for what God said. Well, no. I mean, if you're okay, first of all, you're you're well that that whole statement was just wrong. Okay, I mean, it was just like if they, you know, if if that's what they say before a sermon or something, then um, then you know they need to repent. They need to get right because something is wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just people pleasers, you know, it's what it is. They're, they're scared, you know, they're, they're scared to just proclaim thus saith the Lord. And they do that not only with that homosexuality thing, but they also do it with the, um, with divorce as well. And they're like, now this is what God says about divorce, but God loves you. God hates divorce, but it doesn't say he hates divorced people. And, you know, and like they have to, they have to like preface, you're, you know, a preface everything they're about to say through this other lens because they're scared of it, man. You know, churches, I said divorce is the golden calf of the American church right now. That's the one subject. I mean, you, you can you can talk about homosexuality and, and things like that, and it's some red meat for the pews. But don't you talk about my marriage. Don't you talk about divorce. Don't, don't you go that route. You know, that's, that's the golden calf of today. Well, I mean, if that's if that's the golden calf, then people, you know, we need to have more people repenting. You know, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like, okay, you, you and I were talking about this the other day. You know, you have you have people that have been that have been divorced in you know multiple times, but was that before you became a Christian, mm-hmm. or are you still in that mindset? And okay. If you're still in the mindset, then the problems you, you mm-hmm. know, if you've repented of that type of thing, then, mm-hmm. you know, so you're just going to preach the whole counsel of God. It doesn't matter if people like it or not. You know, that's like you said, it's just God's word. So that's just the way it is. You don't like it. Talk to God. That's it. That's it. You know, so absolutely, you know, so that's the thing is, is that um, you just say what God said. You don't apologize for it. You don't neuter it down. You don't, um, even try to make it like kid friendly. You know, I'm, I'm always kind of, um, kind of uncomfortable with the Veggie Tales version or like the 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 nursery version of Bible stories because I just I don't think I have to edit God for my kids. You know, I'm gonna be like, I can't tell you what God says because it's a little too hard for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like e- even he, though God's word was preached and people had to like stand up. The entire family stood up when the word was being spoken and and taught. That's it. It'd be like, but but you know, we don't want to talk about that in front of the kids. You know, we don't think that we don't think that God's very kid friendly. You know, we we have to put the G rated version of the Bible in front of them because they can't handle the full counsel of the Word of God. That makes me as uncomfortable as some of these like spooky weirdo charismatic guys and all that kind of stuff. The the Veggie Tales makes me just as uncomfortable as the you know 
dude talking about soul ties and the Lord gave me a vision last night and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I put them on the same thing. Just, just say what it says. Don't make any apologies. You know, if I'm convicted, I needed to be convicted. Thank you for the conviction. Yes. And and if I wasn't convicted, maybe I learned something. Maybe I figured something out. I understand something in a new way. But just tell me what the Bible says. I always tell people, like with the divorce thing, is that um, I'm going to preach for this marriage to be your last marriage. Whether that's your first marriage, your third marriage, whatever. I'm going to say exactly what it says about it. And... With that, I just want this marriage to be your last marriage. And I'm hoping that I preach it hard enough that maybe if we could rewind the clock 20 years, 30 years ago, maybe you'd still be on your first marriage. Right. right. Or maybe maybe you wouldn't have married that person in the first place. You would have have been able to see through it, you know. And all, and so hey, I'm 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 not just preaching to you, Bubba. So I don't care if you're on your second, third, fourth, fifth marriage. I'm I'm preaching the same thing. There's teenagers in here who need to hear it, need to understand it. There's children who need to have it in their ears at a young age, so that they can ask daddy questions and they can ask mama questions on the ride home, and mama and daddy can give them what God has to say. You know, um, you know. So so it's you know I'm preaching to the whole congregation. And the only thing I can preach that reaches every, all of them is the whole counsel of the Word of God. That's right. That's right, Balak. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. Um, thus saith the Lord. That's what God says. You know, even if you paid for curses, you better say what God said. You know, even if they, even if, even if the Moabite king may not, you know, may void that check that he just wrote you and put in your pocket, you still got to say what God says. Yeah, that's it. And so it's better to be on God's side than it is to, uh, you know, be the idiot beating your donkey and, you know, trying to, it's trying to save your life and you're, you're spanking your donkey. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the part that uh, that gets me is Balak sees this and Balak is scared that he's you know so he calls he calls Balaam you know to do this for him but he doesn't get that it's God it, it's the Almighty this isn't fallen angel stuff this isn't demon stuff this is the God that destroyed the Egyptians. Yeah, and you should be scared. That's it. That's it. So you should, you should, uh, you should be pro what he's pro. You should be against what he's against. You should reform everything in your life to fit his dictates and his word, because you saw what he just did. And if he did it to Egypt, he can definitely do it to Moab. You know, if he did it to Egypt, he can definitely do it to Ammon. He can do it to all these people groups. And still today, man, I mean. It's amazing how many people call themselves Christians but live a very cursed life. You know, they live in the curses. And it's all about the secularism. It's about the demonology. It's the, you know, the concerts. Man, modern music isn't even trying to pretend anymore. I mean, it's just outright demonic. And and then the mantras that get taught at, at the schools and the universities that are on the TV shows all of these mantras are satanic mantras. You know, most of the themes are satanic themes. And, um, and the things that are celebrated by our secular culture are secular. And secular isn't just neutral. Secular is demonic. And people just don't have ears for it, man. They just don't want it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like just a retelling of the same old story. You know? It is. 
we see the same thing through the Old Testament. We see the same thing through the New Testament. And then now we see we see these people doing all these same things. And when you're naming, when you're still naming these things, um, when you're still naming these things against, uh, you know, Roman gods and Greek gods and things like that, you should, I mean, come on, people, wake up to what's happening all around you. It's the same story being told again. But since people don't know history, they're just going to repeat it. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's it. I mean, th- that's it. You know, is that if we don't read the truth and know the truth to obey the truth, then we're just going to live in lies and repeat lies and pass down lies to our, our, our children. You know, and that's just simply where it is. So... So with that, we see that there's definitely a thing of curses, and we have to be careful of them, okay? Um, That people may not be able to put a curse upon us because we're children of the Most High God, because we are gods and that He has spoken blessings over us. And so if our God has spoken blessings over us, we don't have to worry about the curses of some fallen angel, some demon, some spiritist, some drunken idiot, you know, we don't have to worry about that. But what we do have to worry about is separating ourselves from our God. And we do that through immorality, through inviting, through cursed actions, things that bring curses upon us, um, that we can easily invite that stuff in. And we should be very mindful of that. We should be mindful of it in culture, in our friendships, in our entertainment, in the music we listen to, and the Uh, parades and concerts and things that we go to, the things that we give our money to as a sense of endorsement or agreement, um, those should all be places that we look to separate ourselves from curses and not invite them in. Yeah, because when you're inviting those things in, it's either God telling you you're doing something wrong or you're inviting something evil into your house. That always leads to death. That's right. That's right. So, all right, friends. Well, that's been another good episode of The Woodshed as we've went through Numbers chapter 22 with Balaam and Balaam's donkey. And we've seen the issue of curses. We've seen the talking donkey scripture, which is always fun. Always have a good time with it. And we've seen that God will not allow curses to override his blessings as long as you don't separate yourself from the blessings of God. And so with that, friends, has been another great episode. Hit the like, hit the share button, leave us a comment or a a review. The written reviews do help us a lot. And uh, share the podcast with somebody that needs to hear it, needs to know it. We are continuing to grow, I believe, this time, Todd. This may be the podcast that puts us over 900. And so that's uh, that's a lot in just one year to grow from zero to over 900. So it's a great thing to be a part of. And so, friends, until next time, shine the light of God wherever you're placed. Speak the truth in love, but always speak the truth.